Hi, Sam. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. I'm enjoying this sunshine. It's lovely. Yeah, I'm in Chicago and here it's raining and it's very humid. So <laughs> It's been a busy week with news and personally with, with business and things like that. What, what have you been up to? I have a question for you. Something that happened to me. I was actually in Wimbledon a few weeks ago uh, to see the tennis. And uh, I was buying... So this is a question for you, actually, Sam. So I was buying um, skin... Uh, not skincare, sorry. I was buying a sunscreen. So I went into the pharmacy and this sales lady, um, you know, she showed me a brand and I said, yes, check the SPF. It seemed fine. Okay, I'm going to... Uh, buy it and she said oh do you know how to apply it and I said yes I think so and and I, I took it on and I tried it and I kind of rubbed it in you know on my arm or whatever and she looked at me and said no 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 you, ca- you can't rub it in like that you have to like stroke it on your arm and I asked her like what why do you have to stroke it because I was genuinely interested like is because I know there's a lot of talk about how you apply sunscreen and she said no, because if you rub it in like in circles, the active ingredient will be displaced. Does that make sense to you? No. No, exactly. Thank you. <laughs> no, that's well. I mean, you know, okay. So the the two options it's either a reflective sunscreen with you know titanium dioxide or zinc oxide or something, and or it's or it's um, ones where it absorbs it. Uh, if it's on your skin and you rub it, doesn't matter how you rub it. That sounds to me as though the rep for that company has been in and can't offer anything new. But it was a genuine question for me because of the fact that there is a um, debate, not a debate, but there are certain things you have to think about when you apply sunscreen and, you know, that you have to reapply it every couple of hours and things that are, you know, good to know. But I've never heard this before. And I was. For a second there, I doubted myself and my own sanity, but then I got back on track. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's absolute rubbish. Um, I think that the the main issue is people aren't putting enough on at regular intervals. That's all it is. I mean, people forget that even though it's a skin product, skincare product, it has a very specific job to do and you need to, you know, slather it on and keep slathering it on. Yeah, exactly. Right. What about you, Sam? What's your, what's, what's going on with you? Well, there's been so many stories recently about the industry. This isn't the sort of uh, misinformation side. This is... Uh, the launching of so many different brands and the majority of them are pop stars or uh, YouTubers or influencers of, of, of some sort. And very few are started by somebody who has an idea from scratch in terms of uh, they are a complete unknown and they've gone into the business um, for a very specific reason. And I think the industry is going that way I, I think it's very hard to get any traction if you are not already well known uh, because there are so many people looking at it as a cash cow and just a way to make money that if you are famous in one field then you should have a fragrance or you should have a skincare line or you should have a shampoo or, or there should be something in the cosmetic world to go along with your with your brand I suppose yeah no, I, it's a clear trend, right? Everyone's doing it, for sure. I mean, here in the US, I see it in Sweden as well, a lot, like everyone from 
Slatan Ibrahimovic to um, Swedish YouTubers, who I don't really know what they're called, but the 20 something, they're all blonde and gorgeous, but, but they, they all do it. Um, and I was actually reading an article about Kylie Jenner and her success. And in the article there, there was a paragraph saying that, you know, she's, she's looking at this now and she's doing all the makeup, but this must just, this might just be for a few years because her brand wasn't really the makeup. Her brand is herself. So, you know, say in, in two years time, she might get bored of it and she might go and do something else uh, or a different product. So it's more the person and you link certain things to the person rather than, um, you know, creating a, um, a brand. Also, I think I read it's going to be about a billion dollar turnover. I mean, I don't know how much of that she owns of that company. Um, but there, I think it was an article in Forbes magazine where they said that she was a self-made uh, businesswoman. Um, and there was a bit, of, a bit of kickback from that because she's not really self-made in terms of uh, she became known because of her family members. And because of that, uh, she's used that as leverage to 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 get where she is. Um, but on the flip side of that, perhaps you could say that, you know, she was a lesser known sister or relative and, and has come into it and, and made it her own and has expanded and, and, and used that. And, and I think that anyone who maximizes the leverage that they have or don't have um, to their advantage, perhaps there's something to be said for that. Yeah. No, I think, I mean, I'm, I mean, of course she had a head start. Let's, let's be honest, but I think still it's very impressive what she did, she's done. And I think, I mean, you see it like Glossier as well, a brand that also kind of started in that remit with the social media and how they, uh, they kind of build up their, um, their sales from that. And I think it's. And Huda Beauty. Uh, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, and there's also a Swedish brand um, that is founded by a Swedish influencer. She was one of the first bloggers. And, well, they're doing very well, at least in Sweden. Uh, and, you know, so I, I think there is something to be said. It's, it's easy to dismiss. I have to be honest. It's very easy to dismiss, you know, these uh, young influencers who are blonde and gorgeous and just say that they are, you know, posting picture, pictures of themselves on whatever social media. But actually, a lot of them are very, very clever in how they use that uh, as a tool to then market different products or, or other things. So it's an interesting phenomenon. Yeah, they certainly understand what they're doing. They do. They absolutely understand what they're doing. And there's a lot of work and uh, thought process behind it, I think. I mean, it, of course, it thinks, oh, you go out and you get like a million followers and then, you know, you start selling something, boom, you're off. But to get to that point, it's a lot of work. It is. So, it, it, you know, this is me being a feminist. But, but to be honest, it's very easy to dismiss these like cute little girls on, I'm doing quotes here. No one can see me doing quotes. But, but they are actually very, very clever. I think there is something to be said about all these 20-year-olds um, who are building up brands and selling products in that way. So There is that. But on the other side, there's... If you look at some of their Instagram posts, the Instagram posts where they're dealing with, you know, issues get, you know, a certain amount of likes. But then if they post a picture of them on a, in a bikini, that gets far more likes than, than 
than the others. I read an article, I think 98% of the ones who were asked, um, who were being honest, said that they had purchased followers in in their history of their Instagram. That's how they uh, originally built it. Although they may well have built on top of that, they nearly all of them had purchased them. And if you're a brand and you're looking to work with uh, these uh, so Instagrammers, say, um, it's very difficult to identify real engagement. Uh, you, you need sort of algorithms to determine how actually engaged are these people? Because I've seen some with like a million followers and they'll get lots and lots of likes for the bikini shots. But actually when it comes, if they're doing a collaborate, if they're doing a paid promotion, it's very few views, very few likes. So you sort of think, well, why would you, why would you work with that? Um, because they do charge a, a lot of money um, and, and some I'm sure quite rightly, but um, and that's what I struggle with as a brand owner. That's why I don't. That's why I don't get involved in it because I don't. I, I simply don't understand it. I don't trust it because I, I think it's been taken advantage of so much that I can't get to the bottom of it. And I would love somebody to explain it to me because I think there's a bit of emperor's new clothes going on now. I think originally, um, even 12 months ago, you could get somebody who had real engagement, but now it's very difficult. That's a good point. I mean, I was working with, you know, just people on in, I wouldn't say, yeah, like micro-influencers, let's call them that, um, two, three years ago. But then the reason I kind of felt, because I, I was thinking exactly what you're saying, that was like one of my, um, I added that to my filter, let's say. So. I, I kind of really follow them and I, I you know, you, if, but it takes time, of course, to really find those good, like the real influencers. Uh, because if you, okay, if you want the real big ones, of course, it's kind of easy. You can just, you know, go and search on the top uh, 10 UK beauty bloggers and you'll, you know, you, you, we know who they are. But in order, if you want to get, if you say you can't afford it or at that point, like me, I was, um, you know, a bit nervous to contact the big, big bloggers. Um, so I, I reached out to to smaller ones who were very friendly and really happy to kind of talk about my products and stuff. Um, but actually, but with them, they weren't as professional. So the the followers they had were were quite they were genuine and and engaged. So maybe that's I'm just brainstorming here. Maybe that's a way to try to avoid. Because obviously the real ones who have like millions of followers, they're usually very, very expensive to, you know, just one post would cost you a year's budget. So so for a small brand owner, maybe just to look at, um, you know, tier three of the influencers, for example, and just find like someone that are really tapping into your target audience and use them rather than uh, trying to aim for the, the big ones. I don't know. I'm brainstorming here on how to, how to approach it. But also I've heard that now even the smaller ones are getting very, this is just hearsay, but I've heard that um, smaller influencers now are also charging way more money than they did a few years ago. So um, I don't know. I haven't really been been reaching out to influencers for a while, so I don't really know the status right now. So uh, I, think, I think it's going to move on. And I think we'll look back at this time um, in, in sort of five years' time and everyone will be saying, God, do you remember when you could make so much money on 
Instagram and I was looking at a couple of uh, Instagrammers that someone had recommended to me and they had half a million followers. But uh, when they did a paid promotion with a brand, they'd get like a thousand likes. Well, thousand out of 500,000 liking it, how many of those are actually just liking it because it's an automatic thing. They just like it because it's that Instagrammer. How many of those thousand would actually buy that product? I'm thinking probably two. So how much is that worth to get two extra customers? I mean, there's that whole thing about always brand awareness, et cetera. But now if you've got to be careful because some of them do adverts on Instagram and, and the brand is ridiculed and, and gets a lot of bad publicity for that um, because people are actually just wanting to, to, to hear about the person that they're following. They, they hate getting interrupted quite rightly. We all get irritated by ads. Um, it's the wild west, really. It's still the wild west. Everyone's still trying to figure it out. It is, but but maybe you're right in that sense. I mean, we've had uh, maybe we're going a bit off topic here, but I'm I'm thinking of of brands that have been really successful. There's a Swedish watch brand called Daniel Wellington. Sounds very Swedish. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> but they have a couple of billion sec in turnover now, and they, but that's how they succeeded. Like they really used so many influence like so many people on instagram who are posting their what the watches and that's how they kind of you know build up the brand but again they started i think i can't remember like 2011 12 somewhere there like really early on very expensive to do that now yeah exactly exactly but you're right it's it's kind of a bit more structured wild west i would say than before but still you're right no one really knows and and uh I guess you, again, trial and error. That's why I get a bit um, cautious sometimes when, you know, you get these uh, emails or so from like social media experts. And I'm thinking, well, maybe they didn't know more than me. But at the end of the day, it's very much experimental right now. So I don't know. I'm not a big fan of paying a lot of money. Now it's come to a level of price where you could spend the money that you that a brand would spend on um, connecting with content creators and create your own content. I do have a, a certain feeling that th- those who just use, say, influencers, these people with lots of followers to promote their brand sort of don't have any ideas of their own because you could use that money. And, and, and if you had a really good creative team, you could create fantastic content. And if it if it if it's useful to people, people will follow you, people will find you and people will discover you and people will follow you and you then can create your own message and your own drive and you know exactly you as the brands in one way come become an influencers as well yeah however you do need time and that's one thing that yeah uh, well, so i certainly don't have and my brain is full and perhaps that's why people do it but what what so what do you think for me this is how i see it. there i can see like two paths and i'm not saying that one necessarily would kill the other but i, I think there is one path where we'll see brands popping up that are linked to celebrities, you know, like Madonna, for example, she's done it. Um, as we're talking about Kylie Jenner, I mean, there's everywhere, uh, and those brands might—they might be around for a long time, or they will just be, you know, exist for a few years, and then the celebrity, you know, they—they they don't want to do it anymore, so they they move on to the next thing and start selling the next product because those brands are linked to the fame of the celebrity or they link to the celebrity basically 
So we're, you're not really selling that product and that brand. You're actually just selling a product that's linked to the celebrity brand. Am I making sense? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, but the other brands are, because again, we there are these brands which stand for something they, they want to do. Like you, for example, with your gender equality. And I mean, that's a very clear message. There's a very clear understanding of why you're doing what you're doing. So I don't think that, I, th- I think those two types of companies will coexist, coexist. I think you will see both, actually. I don't think that they, um, the celebrity brands will take over the, the independent beauty brands that do it for the bigger cause. Or do you see what I mean? What do you think? Do you think that the social media brands they're taking over, the biggest brands in the world, Kylie Jenner, Huda Beauty, these are all, you know, Glossier, they're all social media brands. I mean, billion dollar companies, you know, that's unheard of, really. I mean, it used to be if you could earn a few million pounds, you were the most successful. And now we're talking billion dollar turnover. In, in a matter of, uh, of a few years. It's extraordinary. Yeah, it is. But still, if you look at a Glossier, for example, yes, it's a social media brand, if you want to call it that. Absolutely. But for me, Glossier stands for something more than just, um, you know, linked to a person. I mean, we have the founder, of course. I don't, can't even remember the name of, of Kylie Jenner's brand. I just know she has a cosmetic brand. Whereas Glossier, I see it as more... Even if both of them grew from social media, Glossier, I see as a normal brand, again, with the quotes. Yes, I suppose if it's your name and you become, if there's a danger to that, you know, if you become less successful or, or there's a bit of scandal or something, it could finish your brand off. Whereas Glossier, it's a sort of good brand name. So you're less vulnerable. Exactly. And it's not so tightly linked to a person. I mean, look at look at just recently, the um, the other day, Ivanka Trump came out and said that she's she's um, she's closing her fashion line down because, well, she says she doesn't want to do it anymore. And, you know, if you read other uh, media, it's because, you know, a lot of the retail brand uh, retailers have said they don't want to sell her anymore. You know, that that's an example where I mean, I'm not going to go into politics here, but there are many people who have very strong feelings about Ivanka Trump, and let's leave it at that. So, um, and that, of course, that reflects on her brand as well. And that's just an example of the brand and what you're selling can go away because of what's happening to you. So. Absolutely, and, it, and and then that comes from a bloke who's maybe stupidly named his product after himself only because only because everything he thought of either sounded cynical or had been taken by somebody else. So I I did actually. I've done the same with Nini, but it's my nickname. So, yeah. so people don't really know. <laughs> I can just pretend. How's the Amazon going for you? I'm stuck at the point where they say you now have to be authorized to sell each individual product. I don't understand what it is thereafter. Even though I've gone through all of this, I'm still stuck. I'm still trying to have those sponsored links to get higher up when people search. But here, for some reason, it wasn't approved because, again, I have to go through another approval process, which I don't really understand. Right. Well, I'm going to look into that. Now, tell me your your news. So the secret project, can I reveal it? I'm not sure I can. But it's a a secret project. It's uh, I can. What I can reveal, though, is that I'm going to uh, Latin America in the very near future and doing um, probably the, the most advanced press tour I've ever done in my life. And I have done very few. 
but this is the real deal and I'm, it's all in Spanish and I don't speak Spanish. So this is going to be very exciting. Very exciting. That's brilliant. Well, you speak Swedish, you speak English, and I think you're going to become trilingual. Yeah, this is one of those things in my life where I'm, you know, I'm really jumping off the cliff here. I have no, I don't know what I'm doing. None of us know what we're doing. So that's, I'm very excited. You'll be able to reveal that next week or the week after maybe? Uh, next episode, yes, I will be able to reveal oh. it. Da, da, da. You heard it here first. No, it's a lot of fun. I'm very excited, actually. It's it's um, you know, if you if you strip away all the the nerves and uh, the fact that I'm doing a press tour in Spanish, uh, and it's all very scary, it's also a lot of fun and very exciting. Well, I can't wait to hear all about it. Good luck with it. I think you'll be amazing. I'll just stand there and wave and smile. <laughs> yeah, that's the best way. And we'll hear all about it next time. Yes, we will. Alrighty.